0: This morning, I'm going to unpack um, a couple of questions. Really, primarily one, but it's this thought of why don't all religions lead to the same God, or how can Christians claim that Jesus is the only way? Um, As a Christ follower, if we say Jesus is the only way, how can we claim that in our current culture, um, where it's very much like don't offend me in what I believe, like my truth is my truth? A statement like this can be hard, right? A statement that says Jesus is the only way can sound very exclusive, not inclusive. And so that's a hard question that maybe we have been asked or maybe um, we have said that we believe in Jesus and people have given us some pushback. So again, that that question, how can Christians claim Jesus is the only way? That's gonna be something that we're going to unpack this morning. Now, looking at the countdown timer, I have 26 minutes and currently... 50 seconds, um, to have this conversation. And so again, it's a conversation starter, all right? I want to encourage you to continue to investigate, to research, to have dialogues in this question and all the questions that we have throughout this series. Um, These short kind of moments shouldn't be the only time you think about these things, shouldn't be the only time that you dialogue about these things. It should continue on. So I want to encourage you in that thought. So again, we're going to be um, talking about that question, how can Christians claim Jesus is the only way? And before we do that, I want to just pray this morning. Sound good? Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can gather here to worship your name, but also to learn from your truth, from your holy word. And God, I, I want to just even pray a prayer of forgiveness Um, Just maybe in our hearts or just throughout our history as Christians, sometimes maybe we have come across in not a loving way, um, where we have led by our flesh and wanting to um, debate someone or try to convert them in a way that was not loving, but in a way that was just mean. And I wanna just pray forgiveness, Lord. That's not your heart, because it's your kindness that leads to repentance, Lord. And so this morning, um, but as we unpack this question, uh, just encourage us to be bold in this this truth and in this faith that is is in you, Jesus. Let us be bold so that we can stand up for that and let your truth be proclaimed outward uh, to a world that is in desperate need of hope, Lord, in a world that is in desperate need of your truth. And so... God, let your words flow through me this morning, not be my words. And I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> so, again, the question is how can Christians claim Jesus is the only way? And in our postmodern world and culture, where absolute truth is not a standard, and thoughts and feelings and emotions, like drive our truth. Well, I feel this way, or that doesn't really feel true. That's how our culture drives truth. Where logic and fact are not at the central basis of a lot of our culture's truth statements. So that's the world that we live in, right? We live in this world where it's kind of like, well, if you feel this way, then that's, that's true for you. If you feel this way, that's true for you. But we're gonna unpack a question that is very black and white. There's very either or. It's this question, this statement, that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that primarily Christianity is the only true faith system. That's a big claim, right? You're like, whoa, okay, okay, we're getting real here. And it's like, yes. And that comes from this basic of logic, which is the law of non-contradiction, which simply states this, that something cannot be both true and not true at the same time. So something cannot be true and not true at the same time. So with Jesus, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's his true statement, which means nothing else then is true. Jesus wasn't like, hey, I'm a way, a true kind of thing. Like, if you want to do this, you do you, boo. Like, we all good. Let's go hang out. That wasn't his heart. His heart was to bring hope to a world that needed it. And it was through one way, through him, only through Jesus. So it's a very either or statement. Either he is true, either what he's saying is true, or it's not. It's not a both and statement. It's not saying Jesus is a way and all these other ways are good too. No, it's, it's non-contradictory. What he's saying is very much, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he is putting the standard out there, which means if he's the standard, there can only be one truth. And by the law of logic, that means other truths cannot be true. So for us as Christ followers, that means everything that we believe in when it comes to our faith lives and dies on the person of Jesus. It's all about him. It's not about the, the um, rituals or traditions or all the things that we do. It comes down simply to who Jesus is, who he claimed to be, and if he did it or not. It's all about Jesus. Now, in our, in our world, there's billions of people that have different faith systems, right? All across the world, different belief systems. But here is something that separates a Christian or a Christ follower from the other beliefs. It's usually in those belief systems, it's a combination of good works and hopefully some kindness from their God that'll help them maybe reach this next level or maybe hopefully attain this next level of spirituality. Maybe it's heaven, maybe it's something else, but it's all about what they can do to reach that. It's kind of like a ladder. They get up on the next rung, the next rung, the next rung. They might reach the top of that ladder and they realize... There's nothing there. Like, oh, it's probably that bigger ladder. I have to get on that one and go even higher and higher to reach God. Where in our faith system, God completely takes that ladder out of the picture, and he sends his son, Jesus, for us. Because we cannot save ourselves. We are utterly hopeless. We are powerless. We don't have the power to save ourselves. But Jesus, sent by God, is the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through him. Again, it's not a both and statement. It's an either or statement that is pretty black and white. So I say this because in our culture, we can try to deflect this absolute truth all we want. But when it comes to religion and faith, it's going to come down to a moment Either what you believe is true or not true, or the system of belief that you have is either the truth or not the truth. In that law of non-contradiction, there can be only one right. There can be a lot of wrongs, but only one right. So again, it all is pinned on the person of Jesus, who Jesus is, what he said, and so that statement that was in John fourteen six. Again, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not a truth or a way of life. It's only through him that we come to the Father. It's only through Jesus. And so if what he's saying is true, that means Christianity is the only true faith. That's just the law of logic. That's how you deduct this thing down. And you might be like, can you say that? Yeah, because it's the truth. You can say that. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. So again, like I was saying, it comes down to the person of Jesus. It all comes down to who he is, what he did, what he claimed, and if he backed it up. Now, I want to share briefly in Romans chapter 5 a section of scripture that, again, brings this heart that we need Jesus. And it starts here, Romans chapter 5, verse (coughs) 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So powerless, people without hope. God showed his great love by sending Christ. And since we have been made right in God's sight, By the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. See, it's all through Jesus that we're made right. Nothing else. And God does this because he loves us so much. Even while we were his enemies, when we were sinners, when we were against him in every way possible, he said, no, I'm gonna make a way. I'm gonna send my son. He didn't extend the ladder for another rung this way or that way. He tore that ladder down. He broke that wall down. He said, I'm gonna send my son to live a perfect life, to then lay that perfect life down And not even stop there, but to rise from the dead so that we may have hope and have victory over sin and death. And that is the huge distinction from our faith as Christians compared to the other belief systems that we can look at in the world, is God came to us rather than us trying to reach God or achieve something that is completely impossible to achieve because we're powerless, we don't have the power to save ourselves. So, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, then Christianity is the only correct faith. <coughs> Excuse me. So, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, then Christianity is the only correct faith. Now, anyone can make a claim, right? I've I've served people in different um, environments where they might not be like mentally stable or they might be under the influence of a certain substance. And they've told me in my face, well, I'm Jesus, I'm God. I created everything here. And you're like, okay, that's cool. Like, can you back it up? You're like, no, 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 no. like, no, no, no. It's like, okay, so you're not then. Well, no, I am. Well, wait, can you back it up? But here's the thing is Jesus made these claims but he backed them up. His life that he lived proved and showed all the claims that he is the way, the truth, and the life. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I want to start this conversation again. That it all comes down to Jesus and who he was and his claims. And one of the uh, a famous book that um, uh, the author Josh McDowell wrote is called "An Evidence That Demands a Verdict." Where in this book he essentially tries to prove all of these things. And almost in like a negative way, like I'm gonna see if he's a liar, but actually the opposite happens is the truth comes out where it's like, there's no way you can deny who Jesus was and who Jesus is. There's literally no way to deny that. And so one of the biggest ways in this book that he backs this up is through the fulfillment of prophecy. So things written about Jesus And how Jesus actually fulfilled those prophetic statements written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Things about how he was to be born, where he was was to be born, how he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, where he would die, how he would die, what he would say, how people would mock him, all these things. There's over 61 major prophetic statements about Jesus. He fulfilled every single one of them. And how do we know that he fulfilled them? We have God's word through the gospel narratives that are also fact-checked by other historical writers of that time that were primary resources, first-person witnesses that said, yeah, Jesus actually did that, and they wrote about it to confirm and reaffirm what the gospel narratives said. It's truth. It's fact. It's double-checked, triple-checked. There's no way in a court of law that if you used multiple first-person witnesses that they would say, oh, you guys were just all like on something. Like, that didn't happen. No, if they're like, you have three or four witnesses that actually saw this thing and they all line up to the same story, it's bound to be true. It's got to be true. And that's what we see here in not only the gospel accounts, but also other historical writings that were written during this time. Now, these prophetic statements that were written hundreds of years before Jesus are legitimate because they were written by scribes. Scribes are a, a group of people that took an oath to take the Old Testament that was written thousands of years before Jesus and to continue to copy them word for word for word. So they had these copies to give to their people, to the nation of Israel, and to have for an accuracy account. And so these scribes took an oath so far that if they mess, messed up, and wrote like an an instead of an a, but they didn't write in English back then, just so you guys know. Um, but if they kind of you know, did something a little bit different that was off what originally was written, the whole thing had to be scrapped. That whole piece of paper, which was animal skin, had to be scrapped. And it took about a week of work to do one page. So if it's like 4.57 on a Friday afternoon, they get to the end of their work, and they're like, ah, forgot to put that word in there. The whole thing, gone. Just gone, right? So they made sure that they kept to the detail of what was written from the Old Testament accounts, like the book of Isaiah, which holds lots of the prophetic statements of Jesus. They made sure that was copied perfectly, down, line by line by line. And when they did that, they wrapped them up, sealed them in jars. And then bury them in a cave because about 200 years before the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire was starting to kind of do some things. There was different revolts. They wanted to hide these things so that the the empire couldn't grab them and destroy them and burn them and um, kind of lose their heritage and their tradition. They hid them in these caves. And for thousands of years, nobody knew they were there until 1946. A little shepherd boy was up in the hills, um, kind of in in the area by Israel. And he finds these jars. They open them up, and it's the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are these uh, these copies of the Old Testament. And they date them, and it's well before the time of Jesus. And they are the exact same words and language as the original Old Testament. So you know that they just literally copied word for word for word. And they're like, "Wow, this was written and saved well before Jesus, but yet Jesus fulfilled all those prophetic statements." So that means there's no way that they could have like, re-edited what Jesus did to fit this account that he was a, a person who fulfilled the prophecy. It was written well beforehand, and it was confirmed and affirmed that he did what he did. And so I want to just kind of go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, to just kind of bring this into um, a mathematical probability sense when it comes to how likely is this to happen that Jesus could fulfill these prophetic statements? Because again, if he's claiming that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life, he better be true, he better back this up. Well, um, in this book, there's, there's some research brought on by, by a gentleman named Peter Stoner, who was a chair of mathematics and astronomy at Pasadena City College. And he used the science of probability to kind of put this all together. And he said, if there were eight detailed things written about Jesus, so eight prophetic statements, the probability would be about one in 10 to the 17th, or that number right there, of those things happening. So 10 to the 17th to kind of put this in perspective, here's how large this number is. This is an excerpt from Josh McDowell's book. In order to help us comprehend this staggering probability, Stoner illustrates it by supposing that we take 10 to the 17th silver dollars, lay them on the face of Texas, they will cover all the state two feet deep. Now mark one of those silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold the man, Tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick one silver dollar and say, that is the right one. What chance would he have of getting that right one? Just the same chance the prophets would have had about writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man. It's a pretty staggering number um, when you put it in that perspective, right? Well, that's just eight prophecies. What if we like went higher and bigger, because he ultimately fulfilled over 61 major prophetic statements. And also, just really quickly, the, uh, the estimated amount of electrons within the universe, this astronomer says, is roughly 10 to the 79th. Pretty large number. But then with the, with the probability of Jesus fulfilling just 48 prophecies is a number of 10 to the 157th which is that really big number right there. And uh, by the way, um, so I had to punch zeros in there 100, 157 times. I'm kind of dyslexic. And first service, my mother-in-law was like, she's a math wizard, by the way. She like oversees the whole math department at Cheney High School. She's like, I think you missed a couple zeros. And I was like, are you serious? And she literally like, counted them all. And I was like, I did. So uh, it should be accurate now. <coughs> 157 zeros on there, so... That's a big number, right? That's a large number. It's crazy. And you could say that would be like virtually impossible for what happened to happen. But here's the thing is is it did. It's confirmed from not only the gospel accounts, but other historical accounts as well that people wrote about who Jesus was. So either we claim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and what he claimed was true, or we say, he's a liar, he's a lunatic, he's crazy. Like, there, there, there's no way, like this is all a big falsehood. But if we come back to that law of logic, it's either he's true or he's not. And so we pin it on Jesus. And what we're starting to see is, okay, he did those things because that is crazy for this to not happen, right? He, he was a person who claimed what he claimed, but he actually did what he claimed. He didn't just say these far out statements. He actually backed it up. He actually walked through and did what he did. <coughs> so we can say this truth because Jesus claimed it. He backed it up. No other worldview or religion or religious person can make that claim or show what was shown, that he lived a perfect life, that he fulfilled every prophetic statement written about him hundreds and hundreds of years before, and he died a blameless life. Even the method of how he died, crucifixion, wasn't even invented when the prophets wrote about it. They just were writing about this prophetic statement that the Lord gave them, And they didn't even know it was called crucifixion. They just said, this this is how he's going to die. He's going to be stretched across the cross. His hands are going to be pierced. His bones won't break, though, all these things. And then what happened is a thousand years later, crucifixion gets invented. Jesus is crucified. That's how he dies. He fulfills that prophecy when they didn't even know what they were writing about. There's things that Jesus did that no one else can claim. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So if Jesus is the truth, if his word is valid, then that means we'd we'd have to submit under that. We'd have to logically deduce down, all right, so that is the one way to heaven. There's no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not a both and statement. It's solely through Jesus. Now I wanna end on a section of scripture here that provides some good heart again involved in this. And it's Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 22, and it says this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So right there, again, the author, which is, which is Paul, he's saying it's only through placing our faith and confessing Jesus that we're made right with God, uh, that we're made right with God. No other way. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are, Right there, that just shows that Christianity is a very inclusive faith. It's not exclusive. He says it right here. It's is true for anyone who believes, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter what, what um, country you live in, what your economic background is. It doesn't matter. It's for everyone. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Verse 27, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So it's based solely on our belief in Jesus and the claims that he made and that he fulfilled those claims. So we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. So again, it's inclusive. It's, it's for everyone. There is only one God. He makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. There's only one God. There's only one way. And that is through Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to recognize that we need Jesus just as much as the next person needs Jesus. Like, as a Christ follower, this should encourage us for our need of Jesus, not encourage us to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, like, what? I mean, yeah, there's this confidence that you can have, but it's also this reminder that we need Jesus, just like we sang earlier in, in the service, that, Lord, I need you, I need you, every day I need you. That's what this should remind us of. And that God, the one true God, is for everyone, and our faith in Him is what brings us relationship. Our faith in Jesus is what brings us back in relationship with God. I also want to say one thing. A lot of times you hear people, maybe in our culture, say, Christianity, man, that's just a big leap of faith that I'm not ready to take. And I can understand that, but at the same time, looking at this from an historical, archaeological, anthropological way as well, is I feel like it's not that big of a leap to say, Jesus did what he did. Jesus actually backed up his claim. Like, this is a legitimate thing. When he died and he rose again, he actually hung out after he rose from the dead for many, many days. There was over 500 witnesses that wrote about, I saw Jesus after he died, after he was in the tomb for three days. I saw him, there was holes in his hand. Like, I literally saw him that happened. There was confirmation and affirmation of who Jesus is and what he did. And so I feel like, yes, there's this leap of faith, but man, there are so much greater leaps of faith out there in our culture than believing that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. You know what a big leap of faith is? That Google doesn't know about your private life. That's a leap of faith. They know everything about us, right? Right? But we're like, oh, it's all good, it's all good. No, man. But what, what I want to encourage us in is a faith in Jesus is not this blind step off and just ah, maybe it'll be there, maybe it won't. There are times and seasons of life that are hard, that are difficult, but God is always working, God is always present, and there's only one God and only one way and that is through Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So that leaves us with an opportunity. Either we say yes to this, and we say, yes, I believe that, or we don't. It's an either-or, right? It's an either-or. So I wanna encourage you to continue to think through and to say yes to this, because by the laws of logic, there's only one way, and it's Jesus. There's only one way and it's Jesus. And so I'd want to encourage you to be a part of that way. Let's pray.